On today's episode, Lara and I are focusing exclusively on the venomous snake species found in Florida. We discuss in depth the four species found statewide and briefly touch on two other species found in North Florida. Welcome to Naturally Florida, a podcast about Florida's natural areas and the wild things that live here. I'm Lara Milligan. And I'm Shannon Carnavali. This podcast is brought to you by UF IFAS Extension in Polk and Pinellas Counties. So Shannon, you know how we take a walk after lunch at work over here at the preserve? Yeah, it makes me extremely jealous that you work in a preserve and I work next to a highway. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. So the other day we saw our first pygmy rattlesnake of the year, which was very exciting. So early and it's cold out. It's cold. He looked cold. She, it looked cold. <laughs> Curled up in a little ball. I was like, oh, it was like this one little sunny spot. Oh, but, they're so And it was cute. hilarious because we were walking by some other visitors on the trail and, you know, we're all so excited. We're like, there's a pygmy rattlesnake over here. And this woman literally, literally like jumped to the <laughs> other side of the trail. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we... That being said, we understand that when we even say the word snakes, that everyone has different thoughts and feelings and reactions. But we thought that was kind of a good jumpstart because today we want to talk about our venomous snake species that we have here in Florida. Yeah. And I think it's kind of weird that we've only covered snakes in one episode so far. I know. Well, I think, you know, because people have different feelings, we don't want to scare them away, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's true. But snakes are friends, and if you want to listen to that episode that we already did, it's season three, episode five, three common snakes in residential areas, and importantly, all three of them are non-venomous. But today, we're going to talk about the venomous ones. And before we do that, just a quick reminder, Shannon already said snakes are friends, which again, I know some of you may be like, no. (laughs) But I promise you that that they are in terms of the ecosystem role that they play. So of course, there are pest control. A lot of snakes, and especially some of the ones we're going to talk about today, love to eat rodents. And maybe some of you like rodents, but like, I'm not a fan, especially in and around my house. But yeah, so very important pest control that we have, especially in residential areas. And then also they're a critical food source for some of the other things that we love to see. Like I see red-shouldered hawks all the, all the time in my neighborhood and they love snakes. Yeah, I see them around our lakes eating them also all the time. So like That's cool. great blue herons and snowy egrets eating snakes all the time. Yes. So if you like our, our larger birds of prey, then you should appreciate snakes. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe just from afar or from this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so just as a reminder, as you heard in our other episode about snakes in residential areas, we think we have approximately 46 <laughs> native species of snake in Florida. And there is a slight discrepancy depending on which agency you ask or what material you're looking at. Mainly, it's not that the number of snakes are changing. It's that how we look at snakes based in taxonomy, that's the part that's changing. So whether they're a species or a subspecies, that's why the number kind of varies, but it's around 46. And the reason that's important is because we don't have many venomous snakes, right, Lara? Yes, we only have six, and we know this number six, (laughs) venomous snake species in Florida. And Of those six, there's really only four that are found statewide. And so that's kind of what we're going to focus on today, just because some of us folks in Central and South Florida don't experience the other two, which we will briefly talk about, that are found more in the Panhandle region. So the four species of venomous snakes that are found statewide 
are the pygmy rattlesnake, the diamondback rattlesnake, the water moccasin, which is also known as the cottonmouth, and then we also have the coral snake. We do have two species that are found in small areas of North Florida that are also venomous. So you've got the timber rattlesnake and the copperhead. But as we mentioned before, we're going to focus on the four that are, again, found statewide. And so within those four, we can kind of break them into two groups. We have the pit vipers and, well, the non-pit vipers. (laughs) (laughs) So for the pit vipers, which is three out of the four species that we have, They have some kind of shared characteristics. And so that is the shape of their pupil. So they'll kind of have like the slit or what I often refer to as like the cat eye (laughs) pupil. They also have kind of a, their head shape is like, they often refer to it as a blocky or triangular shaped head. Right, Shannon? Yeah, it's distinguished from their neck. It's very obvious they have a large head. Yes, that's a good way. Some people often will say too, yeah, the distinguished neck and they're, in terms of their body shape, they tend to just be thicker bodied than some of our other snakes. Right. So if you think about the length of the snake compared to the width of the snake, these pit vipers will look heavier or more stocky or more muscular. Right. And so I mentioned that the pit vipers were three out of the four. So the three species that fall into this category are our pygmy rattlesnake, the diamondback rattlesnake, and the cottonmouth, and as Shannon mentioned, also known as the water moccasin. Yeah, so let's go ahead and dive into some of the identifying characteristics of these species individually and talk a little bit about each one. And I think we should start with Lara's favorite, which is the pygmy rattlesnake. And they get their name because they are smaller than the other rattlesnakes that we have here. They're just so dang cute. The pygmy rattlesnake is our smallest venomous snake in Florida. They pretty much top out at 18 to 24 inches. They're more commonly seen in the, you know, one to one and a half foot range. They are typically found in pine flatwoods, oak scrub, open pine lens. But you can also find them in a lot of urban areas like golf courses or nature parks, things like that. In Florida, it is one of our most commonly encountered venomous snakes, and they can be quite sassy, I like to call it, because I (laughs) feel like that's a little less mean than aggressive, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's appropriate. Very appropriate. But yeah, they will definitely hold their ground, even despite their title, despite being the smallest venomous snake. They do not feel that way. And if you walk by them, they will often not move away. But hopefully you're not getting close enough to where that's ever a concern. And we'll talk more about that later. But in terms of their diet, I often see them here at the preserve near bodies of water because they mainly feed on lizards and frogs. So obviously frogs will need to be near a body of water at some point in their life cycle. So that's where we see them often. And although they are referred to as a, and I'm air quoting here, rattlesnake, they don't really rattle. They more like buzz. They have a tiny, tiny little rattle. It's nothing compared to another species we're going to talk about when we get into the diamondback rattlesnake, but it is there. It's just very small and it's not what you would think about when you think of a rattle. No, it kind of sounds like an angry grasshopper, which I feel like (laughs) really matches their personality as such a tiny, angry snake. But yeah, I love them. So I guess we should probably tell people what they look like, though. Yeah. Yeah, that would probably be helpful. (laughs) The hilarious thing here at the preserve, because like I said, they, well, 
used to be one of our most commonly seen snakes. And we would tell people to look for a chocolate chip cookie on the ground, which I know sounds hilarious, but I think once Shannon explains what they look like a little bit more, it it would make sense. Yeah. So if you if you think about that stereotypical coiled snake look, and then keep in mind that the snake is pretty little, you'll understand that when I talk about the pattern. So the pygmy rattlesnake is typically a grayish, gray-blue color all overall, but it has a brown stripe running down its back that has these dark blackish gray blotches. And when you imagine the snake all coiled up, you can see with the brown and the blotches down his back, it could look like a chocolate chip cookie for sure. Yeah. And they have a pretty distinct, like it's often referred to as the eye band. It's like this large band that runs from the back of its head all the way up to the front and it runs, it's black and it runs through its eye. So it's often like really hard to even see where their eye is, which is pretty cool. So the black actually runs through the eye. This dark eye band is actually seen on all four of our pit vipers that are found statewide. And I think it really contributes to them just looking like an angrier snake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Almost like a really dark eyeliner or something. That's hilarious. Yes. <laughs> so with that, let's move on to one of our other venomous species. Let's talk about the cottonmouth, which is also known as the water moccasin. Yeah. And so as the one of the two common names suggests, the water moccasin, this is considered the most aquatic of our venomous snake species that we have in the state And these are larger than the pygmy rattlesnake that we just talked about. So anywhere from two to four feet, but can get can get pretty big up to six feet. And since they are considered, again, the most aquatic of the species, they are often found near bodies of water. So on the edges of lakes, rivers, ponds, wetlands, things like that. Their diet is a little bit more variable than the pygmy rattlesnake. So they they do also feed on frogs but they will also feast on fish. And then we get into our small mammals, things like rats, mice, and other small mammals that we have throughout the state. The other name that the water moccasin has is the cottonmouth. And this alludes to the bright blush white pink coloration in their mouth. And when they're feeling particularly defensive, they'll coil up just like every other snake that you can imagine but they'll open their mouth up and show you that bright white mouth. And that's where it gets the name cottonmouth. But I think one of the really cool things about this species is that their color varies from the time that they are born to their mature coloration. So when cottonmouths are really young and small, say less than 18 inches or so, they're going to be kind of a mustardy brown color. And this helps them blend in more with the grasses on the edge of the waterways, if you think about it that way. As they age and mature, they will turn a darker brown color and they'll have bands all down their body, these blotchy bands, like belts, it goes across the body. And as they age more, that coloration continues to get dark to the point where where you have a really large, mature water moccasin they will look almost solid dark brown in color. If you look really closely, they do still have those blotches. But as I'm sure Lara will agree with me, we don't (laughs) recommend getting that close to one of these large mature cottonmouths. No. Yeah. And I was even when you were talking about the cottonmouth, I was like, yeah, if you ever get to see that, that should be a good sign you are way too close to this particular snake. (laughs) So with this species, there is something I feel like we have to say before we move on, which is there is a non-venomous snake species that looks very similar to the cottonmouth. 
It's often referred to as the banded water snake, or broadly, we could just even say water snakes. And they they do look similar. Again, they are non-venomous, and hence the name water snake. They are also found in similar habitats, which is, again, why they, they could be confused with one another. They kind of do a similar thing in terms of the color changing from juvenile to mature, like Shannon talked about, especially with the water snakes in terms of the pupil. So the non-venomous water snake has a round pupil, which I feel like is pretty obvious and can easily be seen yeah. without getting too close. Even from a safe so, distance, yeah. They, they just look nicer. I, I know that sounds silly, but... Because they don't have that eye band. Right. And again, if we don't, don't want to even figure out, do they have an eye stripe? Do they not? It's just honestly best to leave all broadly snakes that are found near bodies of water alone. Watch and view from a respectful distance. That's a good place to transition to the last of the pit vipers that we're going to talk about, which is the eastern diamondback rattlesnake, or often just referred to as a diamondback rattlesnake. And unlike the pygmy rattlesnake being the smallest, this falls into the largest venomous snake species that we have in the state. And when Lara says the largest, I feel like we often underestimate how big this snake can get. And it, it, (laughs) I mean, it easily gets bigger than me in length. So this is a snake that is usually seen between three and six feet long. The record, however, is eight feet, which is, I will be completely honest, even as a natural resources agent coming across <laughs> an, a diamondback rattlesnake when I'm not ready for it, like on a sand trail, it terrifies me. They are big, scary snakes, in my opinion. But these snakes, thankfully, are Pretty easy to identify. They are our only species with a diamond-like pattern down their back. They are found throughout the state of Florida, usually in drier areas, sometimes into urban areas. Again, think the rough sections of a golf course, or if you have an urban park, that might be somewhere where you see them. I would wager that you will not be seeing the large, large, large ones unless you're in a large natural area, but it is possible to see them. Like we've kind of hinted at, the larger the snake, the larger the prey. So as a larger snake species, the diamondback rattlesnake has a much more varied diet. So their diet often includes things like a variety of rodents or even some rabbits and other small mammals. They are simply a larger snake and are able to take larger prey because of it. The good news for some people and I don't include Lara and I in this category, but the good news for some people is that the diamondback rattlesnake population has declined over time with habitat loss and generally fear from people. So this is a snake that when I get the opportunity to identify one for clientele, it is often already dead. So people will kill this snake out of pure fear and not really interested in what it could be doing for them in their ecosystem. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would never even attempt. I would be I would be way too horrified to get that close to kill one. And, and we really, especially with this snake, they have a very long striking distance up to two thirds of its body length. So, Shannon, if I'm doing my math right, say we have a six foot snake, it could strike up to four feet away. Oh, yeah. So they're nice and springy like that. Just don't. And like Shannon said, they the way that they look like their eye stripe, because overall their body is a kind of more of a tan color, but they have a dark eye stripe. And so it just, again, kind of makes them look like angry. And they have this rough appearance. Their scales aren't smooth like the black racer we talked about in our other episode. They're called keeled scales. So it just looks rough and tough. And yeah, I don't think you'll uh, misidentify this one, but 
Shannon and I are happy to help you if you ever have a snake in question. And like I mentioned with the pygmy rattlesnake, talking specifically about the rattle itself, this species, the diamondback rattlesnake's rattle is large. It's obvious. It's loud. The first time I encountered one, it was by hearing it first. I heard this sound like, what was that? I'm looking around and then massive, this massive, massive diamondback rattlesnake was like, what are you doing? You were way too close to me. And we were like, we will slowly back away. But it's a very obvious rattle, much louder than that of the pygmy rattlesnake. So that brings us to the end of the pit vipers we're going to be discussing today. So as a reminder, the three pit vipers that are found statewide in the state of Florida are the pygmy rattlesnake, the eastern diamondback rattlesnake, and the cottonmouth, which is also known as the water moccasin. But with that, we wanted to move on to the fourth venomous snake that is found statewide, and the only one statewide that's venomous that is not a pit viper. Yay! Yes. <laughs> Maybe yay. <laughs> I guess that's true. It's not really... Their their venom is also pretty, pretty awful. But anyway, <laughs> the snake we're talking about, if you haven't already guessed, is the coral snake. The coral snake looks completely different from all of our pit vipers in the state of Florida. So the coral snake is a skinny little snake. It stays small, usually topping out around two feet, but can be seen up to two and a half feet long. They are much more vibrant colors than our pit vipers also. So you may have heard the rhyme, uh, red on yellow, kill a fellow, red on black. I don't even remember the end of the rhyme, but... Friend, yeah, because you can make it whatever you want. Right, which I, right. Why. The point is, we don't recommend the rhyme, so please don't <laughs> try to memorize it, especially not the version I just said, because I don't even know if that was the correct way. But the coral snake is red, yellow, and black, and it has several lookalike species. The good news is that the eastern coral snake, the one we have in Florida, is fairly easy to tell from the lookalikes because it is the only one with a black snout. So for that color pattern, it'll be red and black in big bands. There'll be skinnier bands of yellow. And the red is often kind of muted with a black dappley color over top. Some people describe it looking like spray paint. The other thing to know is unlike our pit vipers, which have that big blocky head, the coral snake has a very subtle head. It almost looks like the snake just continues and then stops. Like you almost don't even notice <laughs> right. that the head is there. And it has a very tiny, solid color black eye that blends in with that black coloration on the snout. So they don't have a very distinctive head shape like the pit vipers do. Right. And in terms of where you may see the snake, which if you see one, it's very rare, I feel like, to see one because they spend most of their life underground or underneath objects like logs. So the chance and opportunity to see one, you should celebrate again from a distance. <laughs> I think it's very, very exciting. As I mentioned, many different habitats, honestly, like kind of the main ones we have here, everything from a, a wet hammock, so a wetter kind of forested area, swamp edges, as well as all the way up to our kind of drier, scrubby habitat. Their prey is similar to some of the other ones we've talked about, but they are not feeding on our small mammal species. They're more focusing on our lizards, snakes, and frogs. So like Lara mentioned, the coral snake is pretty secretive. You're not likely to just see it out and about. There are a couple of situations where you might see them in a residential area, especially if your residential area is next to a larger natural area. So when we hear about these, 
I don't know about you, Lara, but usually in my case, when I get phone calls about coral snakes, they were breaking up some sidewalk and there was a coral snake under that sidewalk or they were seen in a garden or they were re-landscaping and removing a bunch of mulch, you know, that habitat where they're hiding under something. And coral snakes also look slightly different from our pit vipers in that they have very smooth scales. They can look really glossy. And that's just another fun identifying feature. They're kind of shiny and they're pretty. Yes. Now, one thing we did not cover that I know Shannon has told me she gets questions about is snake eggs. Mm-hmm. With the three pit viper species that we mentioned, pygmy rattlesnake, diamondback rattlesnake, cottonmouth, slash water moccasin, pit vipers are known for bearing live young. So you will not be finding, if you find eggs, it is not from one of those three species. Which is good news for all of our gardeners here. You yes. might find snake eggs, but they are almost, almost certainly not of a venomous species. So leave them be in the garden. Again, the only exception here is the coral snake. They do lay eggs. They're in a different family than the pit vipers. But I would say you're unlikely to find coral snake eggs in most residential areas. Now, in the rare, very rare instance that you are bitten by a snake, the recommendation is if you know for sure that it was a venomous snake, you're calling 911. Shannon always tells me your snake bite kit is your cell phone. Okay, so you're calling 911. You need to get seek medical help ASAP. If you were unsure if it was venomous or non-venomous, you were going to treat it as though it was venomous, right? Because we don't want to take that risk. Which means call 911. Right. Thank you. (laughs) And if you are certain it was a non-venomous species, we suggest that you call your regular doctor or go to urgent care just because you want to make sure that you're preventing any type of infection from that bite. Yeah. So the take-home message there is you don't need to spend money on a snake bite kit on the internet. Your best snake bite kit is always going to be your cell phone. And one other thing, if you're calling 911 and you've got a buddy who had a a snake bite, you don't need to try and capture or kill that snake. You don't want to be within that striking distance by accident. Number one rule of wilderness first aid is don't become the second victim. So if you can tell if it was a pit viper or not, great. But otherwise, you don't really need to tell 911 any of that. With that, if you are still not a super fan of snakes, that's cool. We get it. Hopefully, you at least can appreciate the benefit that they give us in the ecosystem and how important they are to our food web, both eating pest species, but also being prey for a lot of our favorite wildlife species, including wading birds. If you are interested in learning how to prevent encounters, we don't have time to get into that today, but we will provide all kinds of resources in our show notes, direct links to documents from uh, UF IFAS Extension on preventing snake encounters in residential areas and schoolyards, and more information on how to identify the species that you heard about today. So thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to Naturally Florida, a podcast about Florida's natural areas and the wild things that live here. Stay updated on new episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend. Naturally Florida is produced by your hosts, Shannon Carnavali and Lara Milligan. If you have questions or suggestions, submit them online at naturallyfloridapodcast.com. This podcast is brought to you by the University of Florida's Institute of Food and Agricultural Sciences Extension. 
an equal opportunity institution. Thank you for listening.